Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, 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 my birth queens. Welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. Today, I am so excited for this guest. So not only is this person my friend, um, but she's also somebody that I really respect when it comes to birth work and motherhood and kind of keeping me sane on this journey of life. Today, I'm joined by Olivia Frill, and she's the founder of Healthy Balanced Birth and the host of Healthy Balanced Birth and beyond podcasts. And today I wanted to have her on for more of a casual conversation. So you guys are used to very structured conversations with guests that I intentionally pick for intentional conversations, most of the time requested by you guys. But today, Olivia and I are going to dive into the behind the scenes that you might not know otherwise if you're a birthing person. So Olivia is a doula with me here in Boston. I had mentioned that we're friends, but she also is someone that I turn to in business when I need help navigating the birth world. She's also seen a lot. She also has a baby of her own. So she has multiple perspectives of birth. We were talking right before we began recording this episode that, you know, she knew a lot going into her birth and that really helped her navigate birth and the journey of advocating for herself. And so in this, this episode, you're going to hear her share how she did things. So we want to give you concrete examples, things that you can take out into the real world, things that you can take back to your OB, to your midwife, to your healthcare provider and use to get the birth that you want. Now, I think it's really important to remind everybody we're not doctors. We're just two gals, two friends having fun and sharing things that we've seen in our experience so that you can have a more empowered birth experience. You do need to check with your provider before doing anything that is discussed in this episode. Also, we recognize that there's a huge place that medicine plays in birth. Everyone's going to have their own opinion on whether, you know, OB route is better or midwifery is better, or even if free and assisted birth is safe or not. Everyone has their own opinion and birth is a spectrum. All birth is right and all birth is natural. All birth trauma is whatever 
you define it as Olivia and I, again, are just two gals having a conversation. So if something today serves you, then pick it up, put it in your pocket and hang tight to it. But if something doesn't serve you, take a deep breath and let it go and know that not everything that we say is going to serve everybody and that's okay. So let's dive in. Olivia, I kind of rambled a little bit in your introduction, but tell us what you do, who you are, and then I want to get to chatting because I, I really can't wait. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very, very, very excited to be here, to be a part of it, and I really appreciated everything that you said, my sweet friend, um, to introduce me, um, and also just talking about everything within the birth space like you said, there are always going to be differences of opinions. That's just how it is. This is just a conversation. If it works for you, then do it. If it doesn't work for you, then you don't have to do it. Um, but I am a mom to an almost nine month old who has rocked my world in a good way <laughs> and taught me a lot. Um, and then I'm also a birth and postpartum doula as well within the Boston area. And I'm also working on my childbirth educator exam as well, so I can start doing that too. I love it. Okay, so as you guys can see, we hashtag geek out together all <laughs> the time. We basically can't have a conversation if it's, you know, well, I guess we cannot have a conversation without it reverting to birth somehow. We In always some find ourselves <laughs> talking back about birth because I think it's, a, it's just something that we're super super passionate about and then together we're just like this hive mind that like oh my God. we like have so many good <laughs> ideas so i'm really excited for this conversation i want to um first preface all of this all of these conversations with saying that you know i think a lot of times doulas can get a bad rap because sometimes doulas are portrayed as this thing that drives a wedge between their providers and their clients but you know, especially here at Tranquility by Hehe, we're trying to build that bridge. And I think that is something that I respect so much about Olivia. She has a healthy respect for medicine. And, um, I, you know, I, you guys know, we, I struggle with folks who don't have a healthy respect for medicine because medicine does save lives and it is absolutely needed in so many cases. But there are so many cases, and especially in birth, even more so cases that don't need heavy influence of medicine. And I think that is what I want a conversation to, to kind of focus around today. So let's dive into some places that I think people do not expect medical manipulation to appear in the birth route. And then sometimes that is what happens. Um, sometimes Olivia, you know, as well as I do, we have parents that kind of walk away and they go, I feel manipulated. I feel taken advantage of. And so when we go back and we look over the journeys of the people we've supported, what are these common places that we see? I know I have a list, but I'll let you start out with, you know, where are places that not that your doctor at all is intentionally trying to manipulate you, but that maybe you had more options than what was presented slash you weren't able to really be heard in the, in the options that you want and nobody was hearing you. Okay. So first and foremost, the reason why I wanted to become a doula um, and why I started educating myself before I became pregnant and before I even took any doula trainings was because when I first started looking for information on pregnancy, labor, birth, all of those things, I felt like it was really difficult 
to find all of what your options are. Um, and I also feel like within the, the medical space, within the healthcare system, there are a lot of providers who have providers and nurses who have not seen an un like essentially a birth that has not had any sort of medical intervention. It's very uncommon for them to have just seen a natural childbirth. Most of the time they have seen something with some sort of intervention, whether it's one, whether it's three, four, whatever it may be. Um, but part of the reason, like I said, why I wanted to be a doula is because I wanted to learn about these things for myself and also for other people. Um, and I also have had family members and or friends who have had births, their own birth go away that they weren't really expecting. Um, but I do think that it's important to keep in mind that you can plan on something for a birth, but birth has its own plan. So a lot of the time I don't call it a birth plan. I call them preferences. Um, so things that I've seen, I think one of the biggest things is always making sure that the birthing person is un like understands that they have to give consent. Um, a lot of the time within the birth space in hospitals, a doctor or a provider who, or a midwife or whoever, it doesn't matter what their title is, your care provider who's helping you with your birth, they say things like, oh, I'm just going to do this or I'm just going to do that. Um, and especially when it ha comes to like touching you personally, whether it's checking how dilated you are or checking your baby or giving you Pitocin. Um, I feel like sometimes people just are like, oh, well, it's immediate response because that's the only option. So they don't necessarily start to provide you with what the options are when before you're in labor or to help you get into labor, because there are so many different ways that you can induce labor if you're at the point where you're ready to induce labor and that's your choice and that's what you wanna do. Um, whether if you wanna have some sort of medical intervention there or if you wanna let your body do its own thing. Um, there obviously is a point where if your baby is not starting to move, to move down I should say, and then your, your cervix is not opening and it's significantly past your due date and you waited for a while, you do need help. There will be times where you need help um, but there's also options where you're looking at Pitocin, which brings things on really quickly. And then there are options where you can start slowly, like you and I were talking before the podcast, like you can do a Foley catheter, a Foley bulb, or you can start with misoprostol. Um, and it's interesting because clients that I've worked with and even family members who've had their babies, some of them didn't even know what those things were because their providers didn't talk to them about it ahead of time. And this is where I will again plug having a doula in general because your doula is going to tell you what your options are ahead of time. So it's not like you're in your birth and you're potentially in labor or you're ready to go and you don't know what all your options are and you don't wanna sit there and spend time doing it. So you just end up listening to whatever the one thing your provider says is. Um, so, I do think it is important to educate yourself. If you do not want to have a doula, you can do your own research. That is totally up to you. But I feel like the more knowledge you have ahead of time, it helps you, it helps guide you so you can decide what you would prefer. And just so you are aware of things, if you do have to take a different route, what those other things are. I think that would be, I'm trying to think if that's like, the basis of what I want to say, but I don't really feel like there's another way to go about it. No, totally. I 
I couldn't agree more with that. I think you bring up a really good point on induction. I think that is one of the places definitely I see it. And I think my team would probably agree that we see so much of the manipulation happen with inductions. The second place, in my personal opinion, is during pushing. Um, I feel like most people in some sort of fashion have this idea going into their birth that they're going to push in a certain way. And then somehow, some way they look up and they're on their back and they're like, what the hell? This is the one position I didn't want to push in. How did I get here? And you realize that it's because, you know, 30 minutes ago, someone asked you to do a cervical exam. And then they said, well, I'm just going to keep my fingers here while you push. And then they said, okay, I'm just going to stay here for just two more pushes. And then here we are 30 minutes later, you're still on your back pushing in a position you didn't want to. So um, I think that's not blatant medical manipulation and not it. I think this is also a good thing. It doesn't mean that it comes from a malicious place. I don't think that that provider in any way was trying to stall your birth. It does mean though, if you don't want to be on your back, you just say like, no, thank you. I don't want you to be in there anymore. Or like, "Mm, no, I'm ready to get up. Or, well, you can feel how I push when I'm standing because that's how I want to push. So like you feeling now on my back is not going to give you any information or not accurate information anyway, I would like to stand and push, right? Um, you can say this in all different ways. So you had a really amazing birth. Let's talk about that. Talk, talk us through what you did beforehand. Okay. Um, one thing I also did want to mention, I feel like you and I are very, very, I don't know, I wouldn't say bold, but we know what we want and we know how to advocate for that. Totally. Whereas there are a lot of people that struggle with that. Um, and I will fully admit that when I was younger, I was not the way that I am now. It's taken a lot of years of going through like just life in general, but really learning how to advocate for yourself is so important in life in general, but especially, especially when you're pregnant and especially when you're giving birth. And I'm the opposite. So I started out super fiery. I started out like I guess in my younger years, never in the birth room, I've always been this very gentle, but stern and bold presence in the birth room. But you said as your, you know, your younger self was kind of timid and shy and you had to step into this role. I had to learn how to tone mine down. And I think that brings a very interesting point that the way you speak to your healthcare provider, 1000% impacts the care that you give. You want to let them know that they are respected at the end of the day. You did hire them at the end of the day. You said that you trusted this practice. It's not like it's a surprise when you get into birth that you also could have the other 12 people go to your labor. You know that well in advance and you have said that it's fine. You trust that practice to have your baby there. So give them the respect that comes along with that decision. That is so big for me. And so I think it's interesting to hear you say you had to step into that because that's totally some people's thing. But also if you are a guns blazing type person like me, recognize you might need to dial that back. These people Mm -hmm. do deserve your respect. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they've worked to get to where they are. Yeah. There's, I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from that in any way. Like you said, there's absolutely a need for respect within the birth space for anybody who's in the space because it is such a vulnerable and intimate and emotional time in your life. And you want to make sure that you have the right team and that you guys are all vibing from the beginning 
So first and foremost, I would say that finding the right, um, I guess the way that you want to birth, you want to find people who are okay with, not okay with it, but just people who generally have the same ideas about birth. Um, you want to look into providers ahead of time. For me, I wanted to look into the different hospitals. I wanted to look at the C-section rates. Um, that was one thing that I was like, I do not want a C-section at all. And sometimes it just happens. It didn't happen with me, but those are things you want to look at ahead of time, which again is why I say it's always good to have a doula. Um, but you want to have, you want to have that mutual respect between yourself and your care providers. And most of the time, if you're giving birth in a hospital or within a birth center in the hospital, you may not have the same care provider that you meet with throughout your pregnancy. So part of what you and I were talking about before we started the recording this episode was I made sure that every single person that I met, all the different midwives, um, they had to meet the midwives event so you could meet them, but obviously that's not one-on-one. -on -one. So anytime that I met a different midwife, um, I was just very open and honest about what my views and my preferences were. Um, and like I said, it's easier for me to do that because it's just how I am at this point. So if you need help navigating that, it's always good to either you can bring your doula with you to help you have that conversation in a respectful manner or your partner, either one, if you have a partner in the picture. Um, I love that. Asking your partner to go with you and say, I need, I need your help saying this, please. Your partner usually is a lot more bold um, or bolder with your provider than you might be because they yeah. don't have that longstanding relationship. I love that. Right. Yeah. And I just think it's important because if you're not saying these things, then they don't know. They, totally. they, they do not know what your expectations are. They do not know what your preferences are. Um, they do not know what your mindset is going into birth and throughout your pregnancy even. Um, there, like I, there are some people who want to have um, ultrasounds and, and scans so they can like see the baby's face and that sort of thing. And then there are some people who just want the initial ultrasound. There are some people who don't want any at all. Um, so it really comes down to finding a provider who you click really well with and respects you both mutual respect is the biggest thing and making sure, like I said, that they know what you want going into it to the extent of if like, as long as everything is going as planned, because like we said, birth always has a plan of its own. So for me, I never call it a birth plan. I call it preferences because as long as you know what you would prefer and as long as you know what your options are going into it, then it makes it so much easier and it make, takes away, not necessarily takes away all the stress because if, if it's going the way that you want it, then it's different. But then if it's going a different route, it can be stressful. But if you have another option and you know what that option is, then you can start going that way, even though it might not be what you want. Um, you talk a lot about mindset and how important that is and having control over your birth. You have to have that. You have to have your mind. You need your mind. You like, that is, I don't even know like the right word to use for it. It's like the, you just have to have some sort of mindset. Like it could go this way or it could go completely opposite direction and it will be okay. As long as I know what my options are and we figure out a way to make, to to have me be happy and healthy and have the baby be born and happy and healthy. And so 
like you said, there are instances where you do need that medical attention. You do need to have certain things that are done, which you might not want, but sometimes it happens. So I, be, I guess it just all ties back into just per, spending time educating yourself, knowing what your resources are and preparing yourself is probably the biggest thing I would say going into birth and also making sure that people understand what your preferences are ahead of time and having yourself, excuse me, advocate for yourself or make sure that your partner fully understands as well. Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up so many good points there. So first, I think that looking for about the preferences is it's crucial. It's essential. Like you have to have already these. I always like to say that kind of takes the thinking out of things. So if you already know what your preference A is, preference B is, preference C is, then if preference A is not available, you've already thought about what you want next. You don't have to think about it, right? Um, so you're right. It doesn't take the stress out of things, but it does take the thinking out of things. And that way, we talk about this a lot in, um, in the birth launch community, but we want you to stay in that primal brain. We want you to go into that birth brain, that labor land, we want you to stay there and anything that we can go ahead and think out through before your birth comes, um, that's good. That's preferable that we, we want you to go ahead and think about as many things as you can you get into labor so that when you enter birth brain, labor land, that birth kind of space that you can stay there and nobody is continuously pulling you out. Okay. So you talked a lot about, um, like having these conversations with your doctor prenatally and you said that you would just present your, your preferences to any new face. How did you do that exactly? So talk us through it. You're sitting on, you know, the, the table waiting for them to come in. They come into through the door and say, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so take us from there. So one of the things that I did from the beginning, so I, pretty much saw, I think I saw my midwife, the same midwife throughout almost my entire pregnancy, except for once when she was traveling. So then while she was gone, I saw, I think three other midwives and I had met the other ones briefly, but I wasn't going to sit there and talk about my birth preferences in a brief sure. setting like that. Um, so one thing that I asked the midwife who I saw the most to do was to put basically like any and all notes in my chart. Um, of what my preferences were. And I also brought it with me. So they had that, but just noting at every appointment, what we talked about. So, and like what my responses to certain things were. So for example, um, one thing that I could talk about was the glucose test. Um, I did not want to drink that drink. It's just like we, like you and I have said, like I have a more holistic mindset on a lot of things. So the ingredients in that were not something that I was interested in consuming. Um, so looking into what other options are for the glucose test, which again, depends on your provider, depends on your hospital and what they're comfortable with. Um, like for some of them, you can do, um, jelly beans. That's an option. You have to eat a certain amount of jelly beans within a certain amount of time. Um, and then some places will even offer you the option of just eating a regular meal and seeing what your blood sugar is like after that. Um, so they, at, I gave birth at within a birth center. So I was working with midwives. So then the food thing, they 
it was kind of like they considered old school. They didn't really consider that something that they w would want you to do. So I ended up doing the jelly beans, which I was okay with because I just felt better about it because I knew what my options were. Um, so that was something that I had, the midwife had asked me ahead of time and then my midwife wasn't there. So when the new midwife came in, she wasn't aware that I did it differently. So they like attempted to bring in the glucose drink and I was like, oh no, I already ate my jelly beans, like just here to get my blood taken. Um, and I feel like that's like one of the biggest things that I just remember very, <laughs> very much so because they were like, oh, you're not going to do this. And I was like, no, because I'm doing it a different way. Um, but I'm trying to think of other ways that I would advocate. I, I always tried to do it in a very respectful manner. So not that, not that, oh, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with this. It was just that I've educated myself on this and this is what I've decided to do um, sort of thing. And I don't really think I ever received much pushback on things because from the beginning, it was just people, do, like, they just understood me and they understood what I was saying. And they, like, like you and I said, they also knew that I had the background where I had done research myself and was already trained as a doula. So that might've been why they didn't really question it as much because they knew that I had already learned as much as I had and had decided what I wanted. Whereas I think that if it was somebody who they didn't know that you were a doula and you were a first time mom, they may question it a little bit more or um, sometimes, I mean, even provide you with other options. I'm not saying we're like you, like you said, we're not saying that they won't provide you with these options, but sometimes they don't. So I think that a lot of people out there are probably thinking, okay, great, but Olivia, he, he, I'm not a doula. So I don't have that, that background. How do you propose that people do have these conversations with their doctors if they do have already eaten the jelly beans and then, you know, have someone really kind of push them into the drink. And, you know, I think a midwife would never push you to do it on top of it because that would be obviously way too much glucose. But then what they do is try and persuade you that the method you've already taken, the jelly beans you've already eaten are not a good route. How do you propose that in the moment, the kind of defend themselves and really stand their ground and make sure that they're advocating for the care that they feel is right for them? Well, I think, I think a lot of the time people are hesitant to question things that may be seen as the norm or may be seen as the conventional way to do it. This is the way that everybody else does it. So this is the way that you should do it, which does happen. And it does happen like what you said in within the birth space too, not just while you're pregnant. It can happen when you're laboring and giving birth and you end up in a different position. Um, but I think that it's so important to just can always ask questions and also that there are no stupid questions when it comes to being pregnant, no matter which pregnancy it is, first, second, third, fourth, whatever, um, because it's your body, it's your baby and knowing what your options are is so, so crucial. And I think also knowing what your options are is crucial to avoiding birth trauma, um, which is something that I could also talk about a lot about. Um, but I think just always asking questions, like why, why do you not, why should I do it this way? What are the other ways that we could do it? Why do you not see it as the, the most effective way to do it? Um, what are the risks? What are the benefits? What are the pros? What are the cons? I just think that the more that you educate yourself 
on these things, they'll see it as, okay, you're not trying to argue with them. You're not trying to be disrespectful. You just want to learn so you can make the choice that you feel is best for you, which comes back to making, having informed consent, informed decisions. That's what is so important within this space. And it can be hard. And I've, I've experienced this during my pregnancy and even now as a mom, um, there are going to be certain things that people see as the norm, like I said, or as the most conventional way to do it. But if you've taken that time to educate yourself, but always ask questions and always advocate for yourself, which might not seem as easy in the moment, it is going to help you in the long run because you're taking care of not just yourself. You have to also think of your baby, your growing baby who that's inside of you, you know? Um, so doing those things and not doing it in a disrespectful way, like, why should I do this? But more so it, can you tell me more about that? Could you please elaborate on that? Um, does that answer your question? I'm trying to, I mean, I'm just trying to think of the ways that I would say it, but I also know that it's difficult for people who are not as open and <laughs> bold, I guess. I don't consider it bold, but. Yeah, no, I think you answered that perfectly. I mean, you know, me, it kind of comes down to how important is it for you? Everybody has something they will stand up for. Everybody yeah. does. So is this one of those things that you're willing to dig your heels in and stand up for it? For you, yes. For me, yes. For everybody else, I don't know. That's for them to decide, right? I just think that what the takeaway here is you do have options. Um, I love, so I love all the, the questions that you had asked, but the two questions that I love, if you are backed into a corner, you're out of questions, you don't know what else to do or, or where else to turn or anything else that you can really ask. I love the questions, what else can I do? And what if I do nothing? Um, so what if we do anything? What if we change nothing. What will, so what will happen then? Um, yeah, in on top of the benefits and the risk and the pros and the cons, I'm a big fan of like, well, what if we just wait? And the reason being is that no, very rarely a baby's just like not born, right? Sometimes, sometimes labor really does get paused to a place where it needs some medical intervention. However, mm -hmm. that is pretty rare. We 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 would see if we kind of just leave things alone, our bodies will do it. So I'm a big fan of what if I don't do anything right now? Also, how long will you give me? Are you going to check back in two hours or will you give me eight hours? Those things are very different. Um, and in those two or eight hours, then what will we do? You can see how by asking the question, what if I do nothing, it does spark more questions. So that's always my place that people are like, I feel really backed into a corner, then you need to ask, what if you do nothing? If you are feeling overwhelmed with choices, what if you make no choice? That's always how I like to reframe that one, is if you are feeling super overwhelmed, what if you do nothing until you're in a better headspace? Because you don't really want to be making choices out of emotion or in the midst of feeling overwhelmed. Um, that's just a recipe for disaster. Right. And I totally agree with that. Um, and I also feel like that also applies to 
if you're going past your due date, what your estimated yep. due date is, because a lot of people, they think, oh, this is my due date. My baby's going to come on this date where 5% of babies are born on their actual due date, right? Is it still 5% or has it changed? Yeah. yeah. Um, also wanted to preface that my daughter is right here waking up, so <laughs> she might say hello. We'll see. I love um, it. <laughs> um, but I think if you do nothing in terms of letting your body prepare for baby, sometimes that's just what your body needs. Because like you said, if you have too many options and you're worrying about it and you're stressing about it and you're thinking about it and you're like, oh, well, I have to do something because people are throwing all these options at you, that can stall your labor too. If you're stressing about it, if you are worried about things, if you're worried about your health, if you're worried about your baby's health, it can just, it can prolong things even more so. Oh my goodness, Olivia, this was such a good conversation. I think that this is what people need to hear. You know, if you are going to be having a baby, I think you need to be intentional about so many choices, starting from making your birth preference sheet and starting from putting together a team that you know about and that you didn't just like get a sign and that you did your research in the hospitals that you want to be in charge of your care because your hospital impacts your birth tenfold. Like the place that you choose to birth will no doubt have an impact on the way that you have your baby. So my goodness, listeners, I know that your head is spinning. Isn't it scary to think that most providers in a hospital setting have not witnessed a natural childbirth? That can be really upsetting. And Olivia touched on C-section rates to make sure you're doing your, your research and C-section rates. And I think that brings up a, a good point too, that everybody's going to find comfort in different things. So Olivia had mentioned ultrasounds and I know that um, IV ports and the electronic mo uh, fetal monitors, same thing. Some people feel really comforted by those two things and some people don't want anything to do with them. And that's what I want your takeaway to be in this episode is you have choices and nothing that you choose is up to anybody else. It is only up to you but it's also your job to get down to the choices. You have to do your research. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to put together an intentional team that is meant to serve you and help you get that birth. Olivia, thank you so, so much for being here. If people wanted to check out your podcast or check out your services, where can people connect with you? Um, so you can always find me on Instagram. Um, I have two Instagrams because I have one for the podcast and then one for my personal Instagram. So you can find my personal one is healthy balanced birth. And then for the healthy balanced birth and beyond podcast, it's HBBAB podcast. Um, and then you can also email me too. feel free if you don't want to slide into my DMs. Um, you can reach out at Olivia at healthy um, and then my website is healthybalancebirth.com as well. Um, but yeah, feel free, reach out, let me know if you want to chat, if you need resources, what you're thinking, because, and also too, like I said before, there are no stupid questions. Um, and sometimes you can be afraid to ask questions. And I totally understand that because you, I also think that, um, part of it is people are like, okay, well, doctors know the best thing doctors know the best thing and yes they are trained in so many different ways that we are not um because we are not doctors um but at the end of the day i think it's important to remember that 
nobody knows your body better than you. Um, Truth. And so remembering that through every part of your um, pregnancy and labor and birth is so important. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really wanted to touch on, but I feel like that's generally it. All right. Listeners, if you enjoy little nuggets of wisdom, head over to Olivia's Instagram. She's always hanging out on there. You can see her adorable daughter. Oh my gosh. I love her so much. She also loves life. Olivia's <laughs> daughter loves life. And it's so much fun to watch her explore the world from the lens of a baby exploring things for the first time. So over there, give her podcast a listen. Um, she has incredible guests on there and Yeah. Thanks for tuning in with us, guys. We will see you next time. Thank you. Hey, before you go, I wanted to share something really fun with you. Okay, y'all know that I'm obsessed with Thinks underwear. I literally have like 11 or 12 pair. Like who needs that many period underwear? I don't know, but I have them. Okay, well, I have even better news to share with you because Thinks has just come out with sleep shorts. Now, these hold up to four tampons worth of blood so that you can sleep all night comfortably without worrying about leaking. Thinks last up to two years, so they are great for our environment and they're super easy to clean. Plus, they have a special lining to prevent any sort of odor. They are no more effort than a regular load of laundry. Actually, you can see highlights over on my Instagram at TranquilityBahihi. Thinks has shared a savings code of $10 off for your first pair of Thinks. They are an investment in your future, but I promise you, your vagina will thank you for this. To save $10, you can go to the link in our show notes or visit shethinks.com backslash pages backslash leader dash he dash Stewart. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.